Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. What if? What if? So what if? What if is about is just a series of episodes of asking the question, "What if?" in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's really as much description as you can give for the well, show broadly. Yeah, but we can definitely get into the specifics of each episode. Um, some of which can be very brief and short, and others definitely warrant more to talk about. But I think, I think the most interesting thing is the broad concept of what if, which is literally. Now that we know the multiverse exists, what does it look like? I mean, it's based on a long-running comic series. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, that's pretty cool. What if is a series of uh, occasionally in the back ish in the back of comics um, they would include like a bonus what if story, which would have like a similar ish kind of setup. Like, what if my favorite? I posted this in the Cin- Cinematic Doctor group is what if all the X-Men died in the first mission? And it's just like the cover is Professor <laughs> X just like in a chair going, no, I killed them all. <laughs> you know, but it'd, it'd be goofy stuff like that. Like That's often great. it'd be telling the famous stories. Like what if Wolverine actually killed the Hulk in their first encounter? What if, you know, what if the radioactive spider bike gave Peter Parker more spider accurate powers and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's been kind of like a beloved thing in marvel comics not not just because it gave comic book writers and like an excuse to like flex their fan fiction writing muscles but it did give you some interesting stories like what if spider-man had joined the fantastic four you know what if the guardians of the galaxy had fought the avengers which is, you know something that you know what if you know what if what if and so you get these alternate reality stories and sometimes they would get it popular enough where they would kind of get spun off into something else or they would incorporate elements of those stories uh, into sort of other things. It was kind of their also excuse to tell Elseworlds stories because DC Comics is Elseworlds, uh, which some of those become extremely popular, like the 1602 Gotham by Gaslight type stuff. And so when it was announced that they were doing a, co- a cartoon version of What If, people were really excited. There's lots of potential. And then they went and did the really weird thing, which is they also announced the show is technically canon, which is yeah. also very strange. And mm-hmm a few elements of the show have either been confirmed or rumored to be later appearing in uh, Dr. Strange's multiverse of madness or something else. Uh, so the show is created by AC Bradley, who did some of the troll hunter cartoons on Netflix, which I don't know if you've seen any of those. Those are the ones uh, Del Toro worked on. Yes. So he, yeah. he did uh, a couple of those. So he is a rich history of animation. And so uh, here we are with a show that I'm just going to say up front, the animation in this show is kind of terrible. I think it grew on me. It's one of those shows where you sort of accept it and then you forget about it until it reminds you that it's not very good. And also you can tell when they really focused on making sure it works and when they just went, ah, it doesn't matter. It's just a conversation. The kids don't care. Like the kids don't understand. They just want to watch things get punched. Um, Because there are some episodes where it's just really uncanny valley stuff where like faces don't look right or kind of move strangely, or even some reaction shots look unfinished. And then there's some of these other scenes where like, it looks pretty good. 
And then especially during the last two episodes is when it looks the most polished. But that's because the last two episodes are basically just like a movie. And so it almost felt like that was where they were like, all right, let's just focus everybody work on that part. Right. But yeah, I agree. There's definitely the the animation leaves a lot to be wanted. And I would part of the reason. So we'll be getting into it. I mean, everyone knows that this is the case because even on IMDb, it's the highest rated episode double checked it it's not actually by 0.2 points um i have it open but it is the most rated episode um out of all of them because it's probably the one everyone's saying you got to check it out you got to check it out okay actually no that's wrong too <laughs> the the first episode is the most rated episode and it's also i think the lowest rated episode yes i'm just gonna no actually so, i have to eat my shorts because it's not actually <laughs> the sixth episode are you just looking rated. at like the imdb page for like fraser or something no, what's, i'm what's literally happening? on the imdb and i just like, i i've scrolled up and down three or four times just to correct myself and even when I said, actually, no, it's the sixth episode, I was wrong. It's actually the seventh episode. is the lowest rated episode. What is happening? But the first episode, <laughs> the first episode is, this is, yeah, we didn't prepare for this. I'm just kidding. No. I prepared. I don't know what's I'm happening prepared. over there. I have, I got promoted at work. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm getting used to that. I had a horrible weekend. Super exhausting weekend. We're squeezing this in. What was your promotion? Uh, assistant manager. Oh. And no, not assistant to the regional manager. By gosh, golly, if I hear someone else say that again, I'm going to punch their teeth in. Oh my gosh, it's so That's annoying. That's from that show, The Office. Have you, have that you is seen from that, that show, show, The Office. Did you not know that that is the personality of everybody on the planet? Dwight Schrute. Um, wow, you have a movie podcast. Have you reviewed The Chosen yet? <laughs> have you talked about I Can Only Imagine? Daniel! <laughs> you okay? I'm so sick and tired of telling people what we do in our free time because it's just like you have five. There's only like three things that people know about people who like movies. Marvel, Scorsese complaining about Marvel, and pretension. <laughs> it's so annoying. Like I saw what was it? I saw a great tweet. It was like a picture of people using Ouija board. And it was like trying to contact Alfred Hitchcock to ask if he likes Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. You oh, just man. started this job too, though, so that's pretty impressive. That you... Yes, yeah, I'm. I'm really happy about it. I'm proud uh, of you, it's son. been great. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a good time. Thanks, son or dad. <laughs> See, I can't keep track, dude. What if I had I lobbed, one Corona lobbed, before this I episode? A low, easy, like banter ball in the air, and you just smash into the ground. <laughs> That's so bad, dude. What if this is one of the most chaotic episodes of our podcast? <laughs> oh man! But the, what? Look, the first episode is really weak. It's, it's terrible. I do not think. I do not think the first episode is as middling as this is trying to show it as. I did not like this episode at all. The Killmonger episode I thought was more interesting, and same as Party Thor, and yet those two are rated lower. Craziness than the first episode. I so like. My wife and I, we have this thing where she's not a big, she's more definitely more of a DC Comics person. Uh, so she's kind of like neutral on Marvel. Like when it's good, it's good. When it's like mediocre to lower, she's not interested at all. But she also likes cartoons. So we decided we were going to try and watch this together. After this first episode, the Captain Carter episode, she's refused yeah. to watch any further episodes. It's bad. Like the animation's bad. It's really not good. Uh, yeah. Drink every time they mention dancing. It, they just won't stop talking about it the whole episode. <laughs> and if you binge the series, you're gonna be you're gonna be inebriated for the rest of the series. <laughs> and then the last episode shows up, and you got to do like, it again ah, like no! three more times. It's pretty, which bad. is a shame because Captain Carter as a singular thing is good. Captain Carter is interesting. Yeah, I, when they were advertising it, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I like the suit. I like the change on the uh, outfit and everything. It's it's all cool. It's perfect for all those cosplayers out there. You know, that's a whole subculture where people partially why they enjoy anything is just they like the fun costumes and characters and to dress up. And Captain Carter is perfect for that. And that's one of the elements that's been rumored that they might even like bring back. I mean, it hasn't gotten past leakers and Twitter rumors. So I don't feel like it's a spoiler because 70 percent chance it doesn't happen at all. Yeah, it's all uh, fake. Yeah. I, <laughs> you just said that like bitterly with your hands like clapped <laughs> hitting the desk. It's all fake. And oh, uh, not to like, I mean, I guess before we get into spoiler stuff, I feel like it's weird as far as spoilers. But like, you know, just brief overview, though, like the show past that episode 
improves by leaps and bounds. It immediately gets much better. Yes, the second episode is significantly better than T'Challa. Significantly better. Yeah, it's very good. And you know, as it goes on, like so for me, episode three, which is a retelling of Fury's big week, which for those of you who have hobbies outside of like staring at Reddit and Twitter, unlike me, you know that Fury's big week is considered is a canonical week of time that takes place across the first few uh, Marvel films leading up to the Avengers. They even released a tie-in comic, which is considered canonical to the Marvel's Bank universe, where it shows the events of how Nick Fury and his team gathered the Avengers up. It also explains where the leader is, Samuel Stern, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, the first Hulk movie, who some of you may remember, there's a scene in that where like his head starts expanding, he starts becoming the leader, he gets chemicals dumped on him, and he just is never seen ever again. In the comic, they explain that Black Widow neutralized him and took him to the raft or wherever. Uh, I don't know if the raft is a thing at that point. So it's an actual retelling of that. So this is, which is what I want from what if deep cut continuity nonsense that gets retold in a fun way. Fury's big week does that where all the Avengers just start dying and that stuff's great. It's awesome. It's, I loved how it started where it's, it's Iron Man two. They're gonna, it's the scene in the beginning where, you know, Tony Stark is basically dying and Black Widow jabs him in the neck with a serum that's supposed to help him. And then you're expecting that to happen. And then Tony just Stark dies. just starts choking and dies. <laughs> and that's it. And that's like the, and I was like, that's awesome. And yes. so that I had to sit and down like, and watch okay, it. Yeah, you know, and I put my phone down, started looking at the screen, yeah. you know. They have the benefit now of we've seen these characters for <laughs> our entire lives since I was in middle school, <laughs> since elementary, basically. So I know these people. You can just change it up and I'll still be fully invested. It's how comic books work. They're, Marvel is now capable of doing that, where it's just they can do what comic books have always been able to do. And without having to give me like backstories for these characters again, I am tense. I felt like I felt the thrill of like, is Black Widow going to be able to save the other heroes? <laughs> Are they going to be okay? Yeah, you don't and know. Then, like, the could disappointment die, of when die, they start you know? dying and stuff. And like, first off, you haven't had that feeling in a long time because they're never going to kill off these heroes in the real movies. <laughs> they don't even kill off the villains in the real movies. And so having that in this was like, this is really, really cool. I wanted it honestly to be longer. I was like, this would be a cool movie where it's just like, yeah, we'll give you another paycheck. Just we'll shoot this in, in three weeks. <laughs> we need you Let's for five minutes. We need you to show up, have some dialogue with black widow and then just die. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, from that point on this, the episodes for me, they got progressively better. And so like, before we get into spoiler stuff, I'm just going to say like, what if is a good cartoon? It's a solid piece of Marvel stuff. Um, it's fun and inventive at times enough where I would say it's almost good enough where I would just recommend it blankly to people who like cartoons. It definitely skews more towards people who are already converted to the Marvel cult where half, half the amusement is just from retellings of stories you've already seen. But if you're on the fence, like you like Marvel stuff, this is definitely as good as other Marvel stuff. And occasionally it rises above that where they actually, do something kind of interesting with the material and the in the established norms totally of the world totally. playing in so i give it a recommendation before we get into the last of the mumbo jumbo oh i totally i totally agree i definitely recommend it i would even just say skip the first episode and read like the descriptions of it because <laughs> like yeah this is a show where everything sort of ties together from a distance and so it does benefit you if you've watched every episode but you don't need to watch the first episode at all. It's just not interesting. And the Tatala one is just far more interesting in terms of playing with the concepts of what if, because yeah, the first one is just what if Peggy Carter instead, that's the only thing. <laughs> but then in the T'Challa one, it's like three different things. It's like Seinfeld modern day. What if Jerry had iPad? It's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Which is really just the Netflix special where he complains about social media. I would love to see it in the post, uh, what a fa- Facebook whistleblower world though. He would just, he would just be mad the whole time or he'd just go, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to try a Seinfeld voice. I've had enough. I'm done. But <laughs> <laughs> this episode's too chaotic. It can't handle anymore. But um, that, yeah, that the show's really good. It just picks up and it gets stronger and stronger. I would say after episode five, it sort of peters out for a tiny bit. But it's still like there's an episode with Killmonger that's really just more interesting than it is good. Um, So I can understand why it has a bit of a lower rating than even the first episode. And then there's a party Thor episode that's just really funny and just 
weird <laughs> that I had a really good time with and my wife and I laughed several times. So it's it's just nice to basically watch like a dumb college party boner comedy movie. <laughs> yeah. Because it's really like it's without the boner jokes. It's a boner comedy. Like, yeah, yeah. They, Natalie Portman's first contact with Thor is they sleep together. <laughs> that's it. They, that's that. And they make a joke about that. So it's like, yeah, this is literally what if Marvel was a boner comedy. So uh yeah it's it's really 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 cool uh i definitely definitely recommend what if it got way better as i kept watching it hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right i'm just stopping by to say you know if you enjoy the show you can always subscribe and write a review for cinematic doctrine there's itunes Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen You can give us a shout-out with a thumbs-up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that, too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook Group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted. I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want me to expand to... cinematic doctrine? You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as low as three dollars a month, you can gain access to exclusive content like the pre-show, which features free-form and Christian-friendly discussions on all kinds of topics, as well as influence the podcast. That's right. Each month, you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Previous movies our lovely Patreon supporters have chosen are To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Hamilton, Onward, and American Gospel Christ Alone. Huh, you guys have good taste. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. So, um, one thing we have not yet mentioned is, so the basic premise is, you know, it is these alternate reality stories, but they do have a framing device, which is, uh, the the watcher is works as our narrator. He is our Rod Serling character. Uh, for those of you who watched Twilight Zone or the 2004 reboot, where Forrest Whitaker was a Rod Serling narrator for some reason. Who narrated the one that just came out? I wasn't it Jordan Peele. I don't was Jordan Peele the one narrating it. I, I don't. I didn't see it. It was on the I CBS. It out. You had to pay yeah, money to watch it. So get I that. It. No one. No one wanted to watch that. that <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. No one's going to do that. But Jeffrey Wright shares his beautiful wonderful yes. amazing voice the future commissioner gordon is our watcher and so he introduces the premise and similar to you know rod Sterling going imagine a world uh jeffrey writes the watcher will like introduce he'll introduce a known marvel story usually they just take one of the movies and retell it in some slight variation and he also gives us our closing out narration and a few times he even does the twilight zone thingy where he has a kind of like wry like almost jokey but kind of morose tone to it and as the episodes go along i was pleasantly surprised by their willingness to get dark like we mentioned in episode three where it's literally most of the marvel characters just getting murdered over and over again and for almost no reason and like just out of nowhere i don't know it's it's really it's tense. It's it's probably pretty traumatic for kids to be watching their favorite animated characters just being killed. I have I have a thing so. about that in a second, believe it or not. So, but um, for me, the dark the darkness of it kind of even ramps up for the next episode, which is possibly my favorite episode of the entire series. Which is it's mine too. Which is uh, yeah, the Doctor Strange episode where what if instead of being alone in the car accident, um, uh, what's her name? I only know her by the actresses, Christine Palmer she's only in one movie so it's like the name never stuck um mm-hmm. yeah she dies and so dr strange keeps trying to go back and using the eye of agamotto he keeps trying to go back in time to save her keeps trying to change situation and she just keeps dying over and over and over it's again it's so uh. sad at one point she just dies while they're having coffee not even a car accident she's just dead and so it leads him down this dark path where he gets he keeps looking for darker darker magic to try and uh live in a world where they exist and the episode has one of those sad 
has a very inc- sad ending. And it's important because it's the first time the launcher actually speaks to a character in one of the stories yeah, he's telling. I love for, I just want to say I love how the I love the trope of a watcher style character, someone who witnesses but cannot participate. That is the ultimate audience stand in because that's you. Like no matter how much you care about these characters, you cannot stop them from feeling bad. You cannot help them feel happy. And so having a character who can voice those things is great. And so this is like just this wonderful episode where you get to kind of do that. You get to kind of step in as the character talking to these other characters, but it's like, it's just heartbreaking and terribly sad and adds this totally new dynamic to the tragedy of the entire situation. It's crazy. Yeah. He, the, the end of the episode, Dr. Strange literally cries out to him for help. And he says, no. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, terrible. I know you have the power. I know you can change all of this. And the watcher is like, I'm not going to. Yes. It's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great 35 minutes of television. It's, it's, I, I would go so far as to say it's the episode I think would stand out its own, even separate from the whole Marvel thing. Like if you just, yes, you could just show watch it to it. somebody, it would totally work. Well, the ratings even on IMDb here, and I double checked <laughs> the first two. Uh, it goes 14,000 reviews, 13,000 reviews, 11,000 reviews, and then the fourth episode, 13,000 reviews. So this episode is definitely being told, like, your people are telling each other, hey, check out the fourth episode. You've got to watch this one. Because at, at the very least on IMDb, that's what's happening. Because people are just skipping three episodes <laughs> to get down to that one. It's good. Yes. It's a good episode. And in a stroke of luck, the follow-up episode is the one that was probably the most hyped up beforehand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is Zombies, which for those who do not know, Marvel Zombies is its own comic series. Like, it's considered its own universe in the Marvel world. Um, there's a multiple series of Marvel Zombie comics. I've actually read them all. Uh, a patient at the hospital I work there had the full compendium compilation. Oh, sick. So he just handed it to me. He was like, hey, check it out. And so I just sat there <laughs> reading it while working, like on the unit. There's like people screaming in the background and they're like, uh, Dan, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm busy, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was interested in this one because beforehand there was mentioned that there was one episode they wanted to do that they weren't allowed to because they, it was considered too dark, which is they wanted to do an episode based on the famous Spider Man thing or what if Spider Man had like, six arms like a real spider and stuff and they weren't allowed to do it because it was considered too horrific for those of you who not read marvel zombies um first off it was you know it was published during the big zombie craze that happened not too long ago Uh, but there's a couple distinct features about it first is in their worlds zombies when they eat human flesh gain back some of their like humanity and intelligence so like whenever like Peter Parker Spider-Man becomes a zombie eats someone he remembers that he killed Aunt May and all these people and stuff and he's like tormented by the guilt he feels very dark and sad detail mm-hmm. uh, there's a bunch of stuff that like is in the comic that gets referenced in this cartoon like some someone does keep Black Panther alive and cuts off parts of his body periodically to eat them to keep his intelligence and stuff like that but I was my whole time I was like how are they going to do this story in a way that'll be acceptable for what is technically a kid's cartoon yeah satisfying to zombie fans and then satisfying to parents whose children are sitting right next to them and they're they're they push it obviously there's there's not gore (laughs) but like their solution it was just to try and put in as many jokes as they could and so what you get is scenes where like People are like, huh, huh, this is pretty crazy, huh? And then there's like dead people everywhere. And yeah, there are, it's there, really strange. There are people on Twitter later, parents going, this gave my child nightmares. Like, you know, of like, course it did. It's know, zombies. It's a it's zombie scary. story. Captain America is a zombie. What do you expect? Paul Rudd's just ahead. He's just yeah. ahead. It's great. It's genius. Like one of who? Which one? Which character literally dies because Wasp enters their body and then just expands? <laughs> like it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, they do the zombie thing. You know, it's they not. Do there's the not guts thing. and blood everywhere, but it's like people get gooey. But it's not red, so it's not blood, so it's okay. Yeah, it was black. I think <laughs> like, when they hit something, it's just black. Yeah, it's a pretty solid zombie story. The the big the twist cool. is that you know Vision is made a bunch of morally not good decisions. Scarlet Witch has her Scarlet Witch powers while, while as a zombie. And it's just like, they, they do the zombie movie thing where it's a group of people. They're trying, there's a place they go to for a reason, like a hopeful reason you get there. It's not what they expected. And they leave on a, on a bit of hope 
as Spider-Man, Black Panther, Paul Rudd's head. And I don't know if there's anyone else on the plane, but they're like, all right, we'll go to Wakanda. And then there's that final watcher pan moment where it turns out Wakanda is just filled with zombies, including the zombie Thanos with the infinity gauntlet. It's like, it, yeah. they do this. They do the zombie movie downer ending thing. I did not expect it. I was like, okay, well, it's not just a downer ending. It's more of a, I want that episode, please. In season two, <laughs> we got to keep going this direction. Yeah. Some of these episodes ended that way where I was like, yeah, I definitely want another. Much yeah. like the zombie comics, which Marvel zombie comics, has some of my favorite stuff like machine man becomes a big hero because he's a robot. So he can't get turned to a zombie. So <laughs> nice. It's great. And <laughs> um, cool. one of the zombies actually turns good. Like he managed to overcome his zombie self. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. Morbius. It's like a bad guy. Like, but like there's two Morbiuses and it turns out the zombie one is kind of like just, he's fully sentient and fully zombie. So he's work. He's like on the inside trying to sabotage the humans. It's really lots of weird stuff in there. So, it's a good episode. <laughs> and like, so like, but here's one of the, here's the interesting thing. Here's, here's what I had mixed feelings on. I want to know if you agree with me on this, which is um, starting from this point is, so there's a scene in Dr. Strange episode where the watcher talks to Dr. Strange directly. And then, you know, things happen. Episode seven with a Thor one ends with kind of a stinger where we see an Ultron, Ultron show up, but he has the infinity stones. So you're like, huh, that's kind of weird. And then episode eight, Ultron become who it's Ultron with the vision body with the infinity stones gains the ability to see the watcher. And he realizes that there's a multiverse and he begins to directly fight the watcher. And so I had mixed feelings on this or I kind of didn't like a, I was kind of thought it was refreshing that we had a Marvel thing. It's just episodic. There's no continuity. There's no big bad at the end. You have to worry about, you know, crossovers and stuff. I thought it was refreshing. And then not only does it violate that, we have an ongoing multiversal threat that everyone has to band together to fight. And I was kind of like, must we do this with this too? Was kind of my initial feeling. As much as I liked uh, Infinity Ultron, which is what they're calling him, mm-hmm. as a comically overpowered villain. He's like your fan super, fiction super strong. Yeah. He's he has all the things. He's got Thanos the shows up and he just cuts, cuts him, him in right half, in half immediately. <laughs> down the center, yeah. <laughs> which is cool, admittedly, but super cool. Yeah. Before yeah, before we get into the last two episodes, which is stuff I'm sure people want us to talk about, how did you feel about this? I I did not expect to like it so much. What if I heard about the first few episodes? I've seen our chat where both you and John were like that first episode, not too good. <laughs> and so then I was like, and even at one point, I think there may be, maybe it's cut content from the episodes or maybe it was just in our chat. But I think you were just like, I don't even know if we're reviewing what if. And I'm like, why? Because I haven't watched a single episode. <laughs> and it was just like, so it was just not on my watch list. And then this week it was like, what are we going to do? And it's not like I've seen James Bond ever, so we can't do that. So I guess we could have, and that would have been really interesting, but then it would just be a bad take for Melvin because he has no connection to anything that's going on. So we finally just decided to do this, and I binged it. I binged all eight episodes that were out, I think, on Monday or Tuesday, and I had loved it uh, as it got better and better and better. And I was totally engaged. I loved how each episode, yeah, is its own thing. And I started to like how they they kind of do the thing that uh, you figure J.J. Abrams wishes he could do, but he never really seems to do, is the whole box thing where you put the box in there and then you talk and you never bring it up and then you leave and it's like, well, what was in the box? Uh, except in this, they really patiently open it up. And that, of course, is the watcher. At first, you don't even see him. And then as episodes continue, you get more details of his character model until yeah episode four when he's just outright talking to dr strange and then even so on and so forth you're seeing him in backgrounds which i really liked you uh and i i like i just like i love this trope so much um it's just one of my favorites so i was totally into that and then yeah as it keeps developing to like the killmonger episode which definitely was like after the zombies episode you're kind of coming off of a high because you had these this two episode streak frankly a three episode streak I was still definitely interested and engaged because I was thinking, well, there's definitely going to be more seasons and I really want to see some of these stories continue. And I also really want to see what other stories they have in mind. One of my other favorite aspects is just where they would decide to 
to say what if it wasn't just like what if Killmonger what if we followed Killmonger it was what if Killmonger saved Tony Stark from Iron Man 1 yeah that's really interesting or even the what if zombies is what if Hulk after being attacked by Thanos is now shot back to earth so where he would meet Doctor Strange and Tony Stark what if zombies just took legitimately over? good cold open for like a zombie story? Yeah, because it's yeah. You, the guy. It's it is the wake up in the hospital, step outside, and where is everybody in New York? Like that was really interesting. And then to just watch the zombies, basically the zombie Avengers are so much more overpowered that they just destroy what? What are they called? The um, Thanos's underlings? I forget what they're called. They have oh, a name. yeah, the the Black Order or something. The Black Order. They just destroy them. <laughs> not just they eat them eat them completely obliterate them shrouded in shadows of course to keep it from being like a tvma but it's a the classic uh, simulcast anime that's clearly adult um with gore and they put like a streak of light in the way or like a streak of shadow in the way because like what is it there's a zombie oh it's um zombie captain america gets cut in half but then when he's falling down the tracks it gets darker and darker down the tracks yeah. so you can't see his body really that much it is fine i don't it doesn't change it and i understand it's like yeah you need to make it accessible yeah. but all that to say is i liked where they chose certain things just the concept of like what if thor was an only child well he just <laughs> turns into a frat boy <laughs> like we're just gonna have an animal house episode. and loki's like, just a frost giant all the time now yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it's like really funny and so i really really enjoyed it and then as you got to the ending where it became this like everything comes to matter cul- culminates into like your big cosmic multiversal battle. I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty cool because I was thinking to myself, this is peak comic book. This is peak. We've made it. We can now just do whatever we want. We can just have a crossover that makes quote unquote no sense, but now makes total sense because we know all these characters anyway. Not only that, we know these particular versions of the characters because it's not just T'Challa, it's Star-Lord T'Challa that becomes one of the guardians of the multiverse at the end. And I don't know. I thought that was really, really cool. I don't like all of the big event things in comic books. I've mentioned previously on the podcast that I think Final Crisis is just terrible, which is part of why I'm not looking forward to more Snyder Cut stuff, because he's in love with Injustice and Final Crisis. And those are just two particular things that I think we're done. We're done. We've we've moved past these things. But I know like things like Blackest Night with DC, where it's just like, again, what if zombies, but the heroes. This is just bizarre, fun things that now you can just do. So I was totally into it. I also just like the I like Ultron as a concept. I like James Spader. So I don't know if they brought him back for this. It doesn't sound like they did. They, they did not, unfortunately. Yeah, it would have been great if they did. I think his voice would have been just so much like that would be the true Ultron <laughs> if it was him. I so yeah, I like Ultron. I like having more of him. The problem of a character being so overpowered, though, is that at the end, I don't know why he just didn't have a bunch of Ultron spawns help him out. Like, yeah, anyways, but yeah, it was it was a blast. I was on a total high when I watched episode eight and thought, man, I can't wait till Wednesday to watch the next like the final episode and just see what happens. And I don't think it disappointed. It's getting point four point five points less than episode eight on IMDb. Double checking. I am correct. Um, but I I don't know. I really liked it. I look forward to what's next. I would like to see um, the watcher in the like proper live action Marvel in some capacity, but I don't know. I already was making jokes with my wife that he just looks like the babies from regular show, the cosmic babies. Mm. So I don't know if it's going to look very good in live action. I mean, just Jeffrey Wright, but Alita style, he's just got a giant head with huge eyes. Like it's not going to look very good, but I don't know if he's a demigod or something, he can change his form. And it would just be this. He could just because he's looking at multiverse stuff. He could just say, this is my live action form and then we'll all accept it. It's totally fine. So, yeah, I really liked what if this was a really good time. Uh, and I when it came to that part that you're not so sure how you feel about, I, I was into it. I thought it was pretty cool because it can. I mean, it continues the themes of like since we're just doing whatever now and we can just do it however we want. Even the last two episodes are pretty dark. Like the opening is just everyone's dead except Black Widow and Clint. 
that's it. And then Clint dies in five minutes. So it's like, well, no, he dies like 10 or 15. He gets a pretty cool send off, though, admittedly. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Yeah. But but still, the point stands. It's like there's no other humans. They can't repopulate. This universe is dead. It's over. And it's like, that's terrible. (laughs) And so, yeah, I I thought it was good. I thought this they took advantage. Kevin Feige is definitely taking advantage of like, aha, 20 years has paid off. I can do my fan fictions now. And (laughs) so, yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. So I kind of came I came around to the premise. I thought the whole cosmic event, the multiversal Avengers thing was pretty neat where they we brought back all of the uh, characters from the previous episodes together. Um, one thing I'll say that the series, I would say excels at, but one thing is enjoyable is their different collections of characters, like the pairing of the characters in the zombie episode, you get happy Hogan, uh, you get polka dot man is back. Uh, Kurt from Ant-Man gets to hang out with them. That stuff's fun. And then you also get to see what like, Eric Killmonger hanging out with Iron Man, you know, things that you didn't get to see during the movies. And in some cases you, you will never get to see again, uh, either because the characters themselves are dead or the actors have left the parts. Um, that stuff is fun. And I think the culm- the culmination here in episode nine is a good version of that. And there is a melancholy to it because, um, this is Chadwick Boseman's final performance. Yeah. Period. That was rough. Uh, yeah. Specifically as T'Challa. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say, is he Black Panther? Or is he T'Challa? Is he just, he's, he plays an amalgam of Star-Lord and Black Panther. <laughs> it, I, I don't know if he had a new name or yeah. moniker for this, but yeah, getting him to see also the fact he gets to talk to Killmonger and the episode's fun. And so, yeah, like all the character pairings are fun and that all pays off here where you get all these weirdo characters, uh, specifically the watcher returns to the Doctor Strange he abandoned previously and asked for his assistance and brings him back here as sort of, and you get to see what Doctor Strange teaming up with Black Panther and Killmonger and Thor. But not just Doctor Strange, because we didn't even talk about it's, it. It's, it's like cursed Doctor Strange. Cursed is like, Cthulhu, yeah. weird fiction Doctor he, Strange. His arms that turn into tentacles. It's very weird and fun. And he can't even control it. So like that's going to make it really interesting if he's in Multiverse of Madness. Right. Come on, Raimi. <laughs> give me the weird stuff. Give we it know to you want to. You know, <laughs> if you could get away with it, you have like stop motion skeletons fighting Doctor Strange, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it all comes Infinity Ultrans cool. And there's like payoffs where like at one point Doctor Strange opens up a portal to the zombie world and all the zombies following him and then zombie Wanda fights him. Yeah, you get really cool payoffs. It it really comes together. Yeah. And so, yeah, overall, it's a fun little season of television. I will say there was a minor controversy that was brought up because someone asked uh, Dave Batista on Twitter why he didn't come back as Drax. And he said, well, I was never asked to. So people oh, are like, what's no. up with Disney? What? And then you watch it, and you realize the character is like two lines across nine episodes. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's why is because he didn't want to pay a lot of money to pay yeah. for two lines. So there's, yeah. there's a couple, you know, Chris Evans is not back. Captain America, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't come back to Tony Stark. Um, a couple of the big actors do come back, uh, notably, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch just come back. I think Natalie Portman actually does voice Jane Foster, for example. So if you look through the voice credits, there is like a Jackson plays in Samuel yeah. Jackson's Nick Fury still. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Don Cheadle is back as Rhodes. Circus is back as Claw. Jerry Renner plays Clint, but it's not like he's really doing much of anything anyway. So I guess it works. Yeah, Hemsworth is there. Uh, I will say one fun thing, though, is Lake Bell voices black widow and for those who do not know lake bell is also poison ivy in the harley quinn cartoon and so she's awesome she's awesome in poison as poison ivy and she's actually really good as black widow in these she sounds great i actually thought it was flipping scarlett johansson um so yeah she she nails the voice down just right just enough to be her own version interpretation but also sound familiar because that's some of the difficulty here is also when you're doing voice acting is you have to make sure it still fits, still feels in line. But anyways, yeah, it's good. It's a good show. Yeah. It was weird that Josh Keaton is in the show as Captain America, but he doesn't voice Spider-Man, even though he voiced Spider-Man to the cartoons. That was weird. I thought it would have been cool if they got Drake Bell to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been a good time. Also, it made me so happy to see Spider-Man. I don't, I didn't, I, I think it's because I, I don't know. I, I has it's been a while seeing Spider-Man in New York and you only get him in New York in this for like five seconds, just like in every other Disney one. But it just feels really good, even if it is zombies. And 
yeah, it was great. I love Spider-Man. It's I don't I didn't know I loved him until literally this moment and not this moment, <laughs> but like this episode uh, where he shows up because like it was like immediate hit of joy. Yeah, your 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 eyes turn into giant hearts and it's they're crazy. bursting out of your glasses. It's it's amazing. Weird. What if Melvin loved Spider Man? <laughs> I, I two things. First off, I'm hoping that in Spider Verse, you know, they start they bring in like the guy like the Spider Man the animated series Spider Man the reno romero spider-man from like the the playstation games and that stuff and it, i think that would be fun but looking at the voice cast it's weird i noticed it's like george st pierre came back as batrock the leaper for like one two minute scene in like the last episode but then they couldn't get some of the other like big name actors to come back it's very weird who they got to come back and who they didn't get to come back because like leslie bibb is christina everhart again and she hasn't been around um, the last regular role, I think she was in Iron Man 2, and then she was in the WHIH YouTube shorts and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like weird that she's back. But then, like, I don't think I'm just seeing here now if he can if if uh Mark Ruffalo came back as Hulk. He did come back as Hulk. Why doesn't he sound like Hulk? It does it it sounded like it sounded like that. Liv Tyler didn't come back as I mean, why would you? <laughs> but like they got Leslie <laughs> She has back. no reason. Karen Gillian, Karen Gillian's back for Nebula. Kurt Russell, yeah, he he comes back for like two lines. <laughs> I noticed right. that was him because I, was I, like, I knew it. I was, I was like, like, oh, it's totally him. E- either they got <laughs> someone who does a really good Kurt Russell impression, or I don't know. It's up. what a good time. But of course, of course, you know, Red Skull, um, the actor for Red Skull, has not been back since he didn't even come back to play him at Endgame or Infinity War. So yeah, what a bummer. I I was bummed that he didn't come back for Endgame. So, but yeah, so there was a minor controversy about that. I think they didn't want to pay the big name actors who had small roles or who weren't willing to come back for smaller rate or something. Um, that's my impression based on some of the casting decisions they made, but yeah. Or if like, or, or I don't know, or maybe, maybe like their age, like Batista's agent might have turned it down. He might not have even ever heard about it. So, yeah, that's possible. He's busy filming Dune right now. He can't come do your cartoon. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you imagine just having an agent in particular, like in your hiring? Agent must be pretentious, must protect <laughs> me from bad roles. Uh, and yeah, there's, a, I will say there's a fun mid credit scene where Peggy Carter sees that this Steve Rogers is frozen or whatever. Yeah, that's so that was cute. nice. That was nice. So, uh, yeah, overall, I thought, what if I it really exceeded my expectations? I had none for the yeah, show. I was like, too. oh, cartoon. Okay, I guess I'll watch. I like cartoons. You know, they're also doing Star Wars Visions, which I have not seen yet. So, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, let's do what if. And then I was pleasantly surprised. The show kept getting better. I hope for season two, they take more risks and we get more wacky stuff. And I know this is a pipe dream. But I would love if they start incorporating stuff from the other older shows, like if they do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Netflix-based what-if things. <laughs> I think that would be cool. Honestly, there's so much weird stuff in the show, like Ghost Riders and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for example. I would like to see some <laughs> Ghost Rider stories, you know? Might as well bring back Nick Cage. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I will say, in for those who don't know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they use the Robbie Reyes Hispanic Ghost Rider, which first off, yay, you know, let's get um for like a deep cut fan favorite character because he uses a car a muscle car instead of a motorcycle and it's awesome that's cool and uh but uh gabriel luna who you may know as the evil terminator in the most recent terminator movie Mm -hmm. is uh ghost rider and i think he'd be a great like guy to just show up in in what if episode at one point phil colson becomes the ghost rider it's pretty stupid but (laughs) okay but that would be like a fun like what if thing I was I was also pleasantly surprised by how much Clark Greg, Greg Phil Coulson we got in the show. He's in like a few episodes and he actually has a pretty prominent role, especially in the third episode. Yeah, he talks a lot. Yeah, which everyone loves Coulson. So, yeah. But yeah, like what if what if the Defenders helped fight Thanos? There you go. There's your episode. That'd be what interesting. If, what if the Punisher just with his baseball bat fought Thanos? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's the whole what if Punisher <laughs> killed the entire Avengers there's that, a punisher kills the marvel universe comic you yeah can just do that you could totally do it yeah or yeah what if punisher killed spider-man that'd be f- like because the comics he initially was brought in as an assassin to kill spider-man so mm-hmm. what if they just did that in a what if episode and john bernthal gets to scream for like 20 minutes or, <laughs> or whatever sure that'd be all really interesting yeah i think i remember reading that they had pitched something like 30 different episodes 
30 different ideas to run with and they had rough cut concepts for each of them and where they'd go. And then, yeah, Disney was like, okay, hold up. We'll give you eight episodes or nine episodes. And so I'm sure in the time that they were working on it, they were also brainstorming beyond that. So I'm sure they have something of like 30, 40, 50 more episodes that they could do. (laughs) So they have like 10 seasons of this show planned, basically. Yeah. And why not? I mean, there's so much that they can do anyway. I think if they want to be able to keep doing it well, they do need to keep a distance. So like the fact that they saved the Ultron stuff for the last 2.1 episodes is what works best here because yeah, the more it gets connected to the Marvel universe, the less I feel like it'd be able to do. Cause a lot of the fun of the show is that like, yeah, you could just put on one of the episodes and you don't need the rest to, to jump into, which is just something in terms of streaming that I would like to see more of anyway. I, I have, this is more of a streaming discussion topic, but like sometimes I think about like, the classic put on television, just watch whatever's there kind of thing, which I'll never do again because I hate commercials. But there's something comfortable about like a curated list of stuff going on, which at the end of the day, TV channels were that. It was a curation from editors deciding who what they want or programmers on what they want um, for their for their channel. And I know that like I think I've talked to you, Daniel, about this, that shutter. I don't know if they do this anymore, but on their streaming service, there was three channels. One of them was the the Ghoul Log, which was year-round a pumpkin that had a candle in it, <laughs> and it had Halloween noises and sound, which is really just leaves rustling and wind and the occasional like crow or like spooky noise. But then another channel was just like, during that week, it was slasher movies. And so you just put it on and whatever it had on was there. And... I kind of would like to see something more like that, but with the way streaming has continued to go, it's like, no, if you start a show, you have to start with episode one and you have to binge it or else you're going to forget where you are and you lose a lot of the engagement. It's just turning, it's converting so much of entertainment into a hobby or like a job of emotional, emotional engagement. And what if it's comfortable because it's just 32 minutes And then it's over and you start the next episode and a new plot starts with new heroes and a new problem. And then it's over. And some of the jokes are funny, not because they're jokes, but because of the concept. I mean, part of what makes episode two so funny is it's still the same Thanos. He still thought genocide was a good idea, but T'Challa talked him down and he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. But then he's still going to bars going, yeah, but it's it, a good he's idea. He's meeting the people of Wakanda and just like, <laughs> and we're like, but that's just genocide. And he's like, but it's not because it's random. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, that's funny. That is that is some of the funniest jokes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe since Guardians of the Galaxy 1, where it's not just bad punchlines and jokes that are not funny at all. And uh, so, I don't know. I I really, I just, I want more. I want more. And I want it to continue to be comfy. It's nice to have the last two episodes be the bit the bit that's like thrilling and intense. But that's because it's two episodes out of nine. And that means it's only 40 minutes out of five hours. And that's very good. Yeah. So give me more of that. And like most of these stories are either from phase one or phase two. So there's like there's a ton of stuff that they really haven't touched. Like most mm-hmm. of these episodes were takes on. There are characters of, they haven't even touched. <laughs> yeah, those whole characters haven't even appeared yet. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, there's some Phase Two stuff like Doctor Strange and the Guardians, and um, Black Panther. If I'm remembering my timeline correctly, but yeah, there's just like most of it was like retellings of some of the earliest Marvel stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so like there's so much ground that they could they they haven't even covered yet. And eventually, I'm sure, like season 15 of this show, they'll be like, <laughs> "Yeah, what if Wanda and Vision did, got married somewhere else, you know, or whatever? Or mm-hmm. what if like Loki married his, you know, Sylvie and they had a family, you know, or whatever?" So there's the, the very nature of the Marvel machine means this show could literally never end. It's it's so smart. It's one of the smartest things they've ever done. Well, the comic <laughs> has been running forever, you know, and because it's like the formula is so simple. Take something that you know has happened 
other people are t- coming up with your ideas for you at this point, essentially, and then just do something different with it, you know? And not only that, if it's popular enough, it can cross over into the live action. And why not? You could just totally do that. Yeah, the rumors the rumors are, yeah, Captain Carter's going to show up. There's been rumors that the Ultron bots are going to show up in Multiverse of Madness. Killmonger might as well come back. Why not? Everybody loves him. This would be an easy way to bring him back, you know, if you want. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I, I continue to be vindicated in my initial prediction that soon continuity will just be thrown out the window in Marvel of which it has and it. So now we have what if, which is technically Canon. We have venom is in the MCU, I guess maybe. I wonder if they'll use those characters in future. What if episodes, you know? Um, and now Whenever Spider-Man comes out, which I think is December, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like the end of the month, December 12th or 15th or something. It's like right in the middle. Man, oh man. If that that movie has so much to live up to, like in terms of like fan expectation. Well, it's not just Marvel fan expectation now. It's classic Spider-Man fan expectation. Uh, I'll say Mark in our Facebook group enthusiastically loved What If. So um, nice. Take that. If anyone's our Facebook group, you know that there is a guy named Mark who uh, was pretty consistent poster and he's just very positive all the time. So I always enjoy seeing because he's just like, that was great. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so he wrote my reaction for seeing finale of what if it's just a gif of Jackie Chan giving a thumbs up. Aww, so, that's cute, man. That's way less chaotic. We should have just had him do this episode. And um, I recently let someone in the group. They requested to join and they just wrote. Like they just wrote, listen to podcast. And I was like, okay, you're in. So if you want to get get in the Facebook group, that's all I have to say. So yes. Yeah. It's the one section. How did you find out about us? Because of the podcast. Welcome friends. We're we're well, yeah. Hopefully you listen to this and you liked our breakdown of what if. What do you got for recommendations, Dan? So I'm currently in the process of preparing for a church retreat. So first off, if anyone out there, um, feels led to please pray for me as I'm going to be preaching twice at the uh, weekend event. I also am writing devotionals and small group questions, and I'm going to be leading a small group. So there's quite a bit of things going on. So I covet your prayers in this time. And so in the process of doing that, I obviously am looking at several different resources and things. Uh, I'm just going to grab the microphone here so I can uh, let's see. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. So I am preparing quite a few messages and things like that. And I recently came across uh, quite a few helpful commentaries. Uh, And so uh, one such book that I have been utilizing and definitely enjoying, I just got to grab it right here off the shelf, is it's an older commentary from an older series. uh, But James Montgomery Boyce's uh, Philippians expositional commentary. Now, James Montgomery Boyce is one of the great preachers and commentators of our time. He was one of the main editors and contributors to the expositors commentary set, uh, which is, I consider to be one of the great backbone commentary sets of any theological library. Uh, but his first off, all you know about the guy is he wrote like a 10 volume commentary in the book of Matthew. Uh, he wrote and he wrote an entire commentary just on the sermon of the Mount and he wrote the terrific Galatians commentary and the expositor set. Uh, Philippians commentary is the same kind of level of quality. Its formatting is great. It's very pastoral, yet academic in nature. Um, he is sorely missed brother in Christ, though you know, I'm sure he is much prefers to be in the presence of our Lord now than down here on earth. But uh, his Philippians commentary has been great as I prepare one of my two sermons. So that's my commentary recommendation. Nice. My fun recommendation is going to be uh, kind of in theme with last week where I did a fun horror movie to watch during the well, more horror comedy to watch during uh, spooky season. I'm going to recommend uh, a little known zombie movie that my wife introduced me to that I also love now called Dance of the Dead. Dan, have you ever watched Dance of the Dead or even heard of Dance of the Dead? I did not watch it, but all um, the movie group that is consists of all my friends from high school. The enthusiastically recommended it when it came out. It's 
so fun. Uh, it's got the nice indie charm that indie movies have that aren't indie movies trying to be pretentious or the next big I love Kubrick movie. Um, it is just a movie that goes, I love zombies and makes a really fun time out of it. The premise is that some it's a Hawaiian prom that's about to happen, but they're right next to a, a nuclear plant and then zombies happen. That's it. That's that is the premise. Uh, it has um, there's an independent actor named Justin Wellborn who's in it, who's been in a bunch of really uh, good independent movies that I've enjoyed. He's in um, he's in he's in a VHS viral clip, probably the only good one. The um, in VHS viral, which is about like a wizard who gets a cape that basically gives him powers if the cape eats people. He's in The Signal, which is another um. Uh, well, uh, it's another anthology horror series, but the premise in that is that uh, a, a signal plays over the television and one in two people turn into psychopaths. And he's really good in that one, too. And I believe I've seen him in something else, too, that was pretty dope, but I cannot remember what it is. Oh, he's in the remake of The Crazies from 2010. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's actually been on my shelf for a bajillion years and I still haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I, I, is he one of the prominent actors in it? Too? No, he's a minor character. Ah, bummer. But the remake of the Crazies is pretty solid as far as horror remakes go. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that. That's why it's still sitting there on my shelf. But yeah, I'm definitely recommending Dance of the Dead because it's just a good fun time. Uh, nothing inappropriate, nothing nothing that would make you other than just zombies dying. But even then, it's, since it's so independent, there's not even that much gore. It's just fun. It's just that's it. It's it's just one of those. It is the equivalent of one of those like. It'll take you back to going to the like the Best Buy and trying to pick out a movie for your Friday night because your friends are coming over and one of them's bringing the pizza and the other one brought the popcorn. The other person burnt the popcorn, so you had to have someone run out and buy more. They came back and the movie's already twelve minutes started, so they had to get filled in while you tell them. Then your friend shushes you, and then you get to the end and you're like, "This was great." wow, you picked out a really great movie. And your friend goes, yeah, I went there to go get Carrie, but I couldn't because it was all gone because that's how Best Buy is. You can never get the movie you're looking for. You just get the one you're stuck with and you become pleasantly surprised. It is very fun. Hopefully you get to relive moments like that. And yeah, so the Dance of the Dead, definitely check it out. I'll I'll have a link for it on Amazon because I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it there. I hate having links to Amazon, but sometimes that's that's what i gotta do what's your fun recommendation dan so hey it's that time of the year folks it is october it's a spooky season it's spooky i couldn't think of anything else to say (laughs) it's halloween you know oh my gosh it's It's, scary time there's there's pumpkins there's dancing skeletons there's candy there's what else what else is a halloween thing there's Christians who are upset. There's churches having harvest parties because that's what we like is harvests. All Saints Day. Definitely, We're celebrating All Saints definitely Day. Definitely not a Halloween party. We just love harvests for some reason. Uh, you know how it is. So obviously people are looking for horror movie recommendations. The college group kids are asking me what some of my favorite horror films are. One kid said they had kid. They're like 20 years old. Uh, to me, they're kids. <laughs> but she told me she's seen Train to Busan six times. And I was like, that's crazy. That's a good one. Good movie. That's a good one to watch six times. Anywho, so I was thinking about that. And they're like, oh, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? What's messed up? You know, and I'm just like, I don't know if as your pastor. I really want to recommend stuff. movies that mess me up. Yeah. That makes Especially me sick. As your pastor, I don't know if I could be like, yeah, man, have you seen Hereditary? You've seen The Witch? You've seen Campbell Holocaust? You know, whatever. Uh, so I was thinking about like, what's a what's a good, spooky, appropriate thing I can recommend to people? And the answer is obvious. It is Over the Garden Wall. It is currently Heck on Hulu. Yeah. It's it great. Is, it's it HBO is, Max. It's, oh, is it on HBO Max as well? Yes. It's uh, I have it on DVD. It's, I've never seen something so fully and completely capture the good feelings of halloween what it feels like to be a child so the natural comfy. spookiness of walking down a street while you know while the trick-or-treating is winding down and things starting to get quiet it captures that feeling in a way nothing else does but more importantly it is a beautiful modern fairy tale it is a heartwarming story about brotherhood about uh, letting go about loss and life and love and trying your best and embracing the both the absurdity of life but also uh the scariness of doing things that maybe you're afraid to face which ultimately is the type of spooky scariness that I think Halloween at its healthiest can be, where we learn to face our fears in healthy ways and do so with the help of our friends. Um, it's never too scary. It's never uh, not kind of scary. I, I don't know how to fully describe the feeling. And this ongoing melancholy and seasonally appropriate uh, for children young and old 
ness to it. It's full of great songs. It's full of beautiful animation. It's awesome. It makes me feel things in a way. Uh, a good example is in addition, the way in addition to the all-star voice cast, which includes Elijah Wood, John Cleese, Christopher Lloyd, they employed a large number of uh, seasoned opera singers and performers to join the cast. Uh, so there's all these great like little musical moments where people have these amazing vocal performances uh, while the characters meet a surreal cast of characters. It is kind of Kafka-esque, if I may use that, where there's absurd logic utilized as these two children journey further into the woods and meet some of the strangest, most whimsical characters you'll ever see. Um, I cannot, hopefully we'll do an episode on the show at some point I'd in our lives. Uh, it's beautiful. I love it. I cannot recommend it highly enough. We are having a watch party at my house. Uh, where my wife invited uh, a group of people to come over and we're gonna like eat pumpkin things and watch a cartoon together Aww, we're all almost we're all around our 30s but this is what people in our age group do these days I suppose so thanks so much for checking out this episode of cinematic doctrine if you enjoyed this episode consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast and as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Shirleyan, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.